Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Keep your hands off, Azokin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. This is week 59, and we are continuing our discussion of Keep Your Hands Off Azokin. Um, I am Noel, the conservative bathhouse water that you've, when you've paid for it, Kirkpatrick. <laughs> Um, and I'm joined as ever by Kate, cardboard robot number three, Kolzek, <laughs> and Allison, HVAC club blackmail material shoemaker. I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, and today we're discussing episodes seven and eight. We're discussing I Have to Do It For Myself and the Great Shibahama Festival, Grand Shibahama Festival. Um, I love both of these episodes. I think they're both really, really great. Um, for a variety of reasons, but I'm really eager to talk about both of them. I do not have like strong notes for this because I watched these very late last night before I went to bed on my phone, which is where I normally take notes. So I have no notes, but I'm very excited to talk about this. And I'm really excited also particularly to kind of dig into I Have to Do It By Myself, which is our big Mizusaki episode of who is Mizusaki? Where's her motivation from? All this kind of like really great character building stuff that feeds into, I think, a lot of where she comes from with what she approaches things. Because I think that the big takeaway for her, anyway, is that we learn that anime is not the thing for her. Animation is the thing for her. And specifically movement, which we've gotten, but, like, this really drives it home. Um, and there's a couple of other, like, really neat little things in it. But I want to hear about how Kate and Allison, how you both felt about this particular episode and this spotlight. And... The other big question that I do want to ask you is, did you know it was really that difficult to animate water? Yeah. Water's <laughs> yes. hard, man. Water's hard. Water um, is definitely hard, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed these. I think you guys liked them more than I did, but I, I enjoyed them. Um, and I thought it was, you know, it was a good time to get our Mizusaki episode. Like, like to get more... For, from her because I feel like we've had more of an in with the other two of our trio so yeah definitely it was it was the right time for this I you know getting ahead of ourselves but I very much appreciate the reveal that no her parents don't have that big of an issue with anime it's it's more like her dad said like a thing because he like over assumed something about how the mom felt about something and then everybody's blowing things out of proportion but they're supportive of their of their kid and everything. Um, so, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it, but to start with the, the first episode, the, yeah, the sense that we get of, of her and her connection with motion and movement and capturing, you know, I, I think it really reminded me of artists, like visual artists, uh, talking about like cap catching the light or like that kind of a thing, or just a moment in, in time or in, in her case, uh, a moment in movement, um, a still frame that captures all of that. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was neat to see that explored and to watch how she takes the, her, her movement classes, right. That her, that her parents have put her in and that instead of fueling dance or fueling acting or fueling modeling, which it does and informs all of that, it really just inspires her in her, 
chosen and her her like the field she's most interested in which is animation so yeah it it was really neat to see and i appreciated the time we spent in the in the flashback i like that how she incorporated that with helping her grandma with her with her mobility and and all of this as well uh it was it was great it was lovely using her powers for good as marcus says uh Mm -hmm. allison what did you think um i loved this one i think like kate it made me think about um the way that artists work um but also just as sort of a portrait of obsession of the good kind of obsession that can drive you to learn new things and experience new things and discover new things um and reminded me of some really brilliant people that I know and love who are driven by things like what it sounds like to to shout inside a pipe. And then if you put something inside the pipe, then how does it change how the voice sounds in the pipe? And what if you hang it versus what if it's close to the ground and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can think about food and you probably know people like this who get really obsessed with one thing or a category of thing. Um, certainly visual art, music, movement, certain aspects of theater or film or whatever else, um, when people get really into an idea and find themselves obsessing over it, really incredible things can emerge from that. Um, I think often in storytelling, we think of obsession as being a bad thing. Um, And it doesn't always have to be. If it consumes your entire life, um, that can be bad. You know, if Mizusaki stopped... Um, eating or like going to class or talking to people, that would be bad. But this is just the the good kind of obsession. Um, and obviously we see it reflected in her comrades. Um, I also really liked how these episodes worked sort of as a two-parter yeah. in tying – because it allowed us to sort of tie – her passion to that of everyone else involved, right? Um, including the robot club who are the unexpected heroes here. Well, in episode two. Um, and I, it just, I found it really magical as a back to back experience. So yes, I loved it as learning more about Mizusaki, but I think as um, just an exploration of how artists minds work and the beautiful things that can emerge from the stuff that makes us weird. Um, I thought was really magical. Yeah. I meant to tease this as a two-parter because it is like, it is very much sort of a two-parter in how much of the emphasis on is on Mizusaki, Um, but also how much of everyone's work kind of culminates here as well with the creation of the robot clubs anime. Um, so there's like a fair bit to dig into, but the I do want to stick with Mizusaki just a little bit because I do just really love how her, um, whatchamacallit, her obsession with motion stems from what is ostensibly just a teeny tiniest little thing, but is so cool of her grandmother flicking tea away um, in just the most badass, neat way possible. <laughs> um, but also like, two things about that one it it feels exactly like the kind of cool thing that a young child would latch on to a wanting to mimic and b wanting to like mimic and being able to do but then b try to capture it so it never goes away um but two just from the fact of someone had to animate that and get (laughs) it right um and make it look as effortless and kind of weird as it 
weirdly perfect as it does because like we kind of said at the top water is really hard um even with like computer graphics water is still really difficult to get right um like the best water i've seen so far is like still frozen twos water which is really really good um but just watching that t-flick is just such a mesmerizing moment even for an audience member that you can see why mizusaki gets wrapped up into it and hers is like a real memory and ours is an animated memory um so I just really love watching that transition of that one piece of movement then inspires all this other movement um, from her that then just is able to cross-pollinate with a lot of other people's obsessions, like you were saying, Allison. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm rambling just a little bit, so I'm going to stop. Um, but what else about like this Mizusaki episode stood out? Because there's also a discussion about sound. There's voice acting in this episode as well, which not enough, I feel like, but for a budget and for a, um, for an amateur voice acting type stuff, this is pretty solid. Um, (laughs) because, oh boy, Ono is very excited (laughs) about this. (laughs) I love the, we need to get him this, the visuals immediately because he's going to just go off on a tangent and we'll never line it up. Uh, so rein that guy in before he gets even more excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for Mizusaki, I, I also really like this two-parter as sort of a an exploration or a culmination maybe of what she's, you know, been experiencing all, all season. Um coming to the realization that it's not for her, it's not the finished product, it's the process that she is so connected to. It's the process of animation of, and of making it. I love, you know, we've talked about this before, but I love the conversation she has in the second episode with her parents. The actors, like, are you ever satisfied with the performance? Are you? Do you ever, like, finish a job and go, like, that's great, I wouldn't change anything? And they're like, uh, No. <laughs> It's not a thing, for us at least. And she's like, yeah, it's not so much about the product, finished product. It's about the process of doing it and of dedicating your time and your life to approaching and, like, being part of something and being part of creation and being part of exploring and living in that type of creative mindset um and it was it was neat to see that crystallized by the character and even just like how she even just in these two episodes with the flashback we get how this is the the moment and especially that's getting having that supportive lunch with her parents you know where it's not it's not even like a big deal with them but it it's not like they're like showering her with praise or anything it's just it's just like yeah just like having a lovely normal lunch and that is what then opens her when she doesn't have that fear of judgment or ridicule or um, pushback from them. She can just, you know, think about and explore and come to that realization for herself of like, at least for now, this is what she would like to do. Um, It's absolutely lovely to see. I loved the, the storyline following the sort of evolution of the sound and Mizusaki's revelations around the sound mm-hmm. um, and what <laughs> that tells her about what she's doing and, and how things are going to work in the end. Um, it's also great to see that we've got the makings of a great director, need some work on the communication. Oh boy, that um, meeting with the art club is just... Ooh, it's so painful. Um, it's we brutal. need some, we need some, 
we need some work on the communication. We need to work on delegation a little bit, but we've got a very good uh, future director on our hands. Um, so I loved watching them discover all of the different ways that they could build drama. And I, I think maybe um, selfishly that section really appealed to me because that's one of my strengths too, as an artist is figuring out how to put different pieces together to change the experience that someone is having to heighten drama and to um, it's why I get so angry about bad needle drops. Like, how dare you? Why did you think you needed Jeff Buckley's hallelujah here? You did not. Well, no one does. But. No one does. No one does. No, Stop. There are other Jeff Buckley songs. Anyway, um, so I really loved that. Um, I didn't expect coming out of these episodes to be like, I love Ono, but oh my God, I love Ono. (laughs) What a precious, revolting lamb. Like, I don't, I hate to say that, but really, um, he... Oh, that's somebody who has no, that's a real, you know what? He's a real Laganja Estranja. No sense of how the world perceives him, but pure passion driving all of his decisions. Like Ono needs a therapist and probably some other activities just to, to even things out for him. But bless his heart. He's just so full of joy and love for robots. Um, so yeah, I loved that piece of it as well. So while it was definitely Mizusaki centric, I think they did a really nice job of tying the themes they were exploring with that character into other pieces of the story in both episodes. I was meaning episode one there particularly, but in both. Well, one other thing I do want to catch on to, because we're talking a little bit about sound. Um, and this has been something I've been meaning to bring up actually since like the second episode of the show. Um, but it's present here and it seems most appropriate to bring it up while we're kind of talking about the influence of sound on our visuals um, is that one of my favorite things about this show is that the voice actors do sound effects <laughs> for a lot of the um, imagined versions of whatever they're doing. So that whole sequence um, with Midori going up like the elevator in the bathhouse um, where she's the voice actors going pat, 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 to do the, like the pedaling sound. Um, but they've been doing that throughout with like then the voice actors doing weird gear sounds. I just love that because it's so perfect for what the visual is, which is like this sketched out animatic um, moving storyboard um, that it just fits. And it really feeds into that whole concept of when do you use the right sound? Because if you use like a proper what pedal sound, it doesn't fit. But when you go have the voice actor go pat, 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 it makes sense. It works. Um, so I just really love that. And that was something I wanted to ask the two of you about. If you would notice that that was what they had been doing for some of that up to this point. Or this episode sort of like crystallized that as an approach. Um, I'm always reminded of a couple stories. I can't think of the actors' names right now. Um, but... Of filming, like it was either it was like Doctor Who or Star Wars or something, like their first day filming a big, and they had to tell the actor, you and McGregor doing lightsabers and yeah, and Laura Dern doing pew and pew Laura noises, Dern. pew pew pew, yeah, pew yeah. pew noises. Like we're gonna, you can, you should you stop doing that. We're gonna put it in post. It's like, oh yeah, I, I know, <laughs> I've only been in the industry forever. I know that, I know that. I'm just really excited, guys. <laughs> Relatable, and yeah. and then later when you have we have the robot club doing the voiceover, it's the same 
it's the same thing, right? And so I, I love that they incorporate that into the narrative as well as into the anime. And it's, it's you know, as we dive into their imaginations with these different sequences, it's the perfect way to go. And it's, it, you just, it, it it's so seamless that I don't think I had, like, consciously thought about the fact that we're doing that. But mm-hmm. as you said that, like, I was like, oh, I already knew that, right? Because it, yep. it's the right choice. It would be jarring if they use sound effects versus them, you know, it's, it's like it would be jarring if their visualizations that we, that we're seeing, their imaginations, right, were completed, like finished product anime versus the stylized approach they take, you know, it would be too much. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing is true with the sound effects. I, I love that that's how they've been doing it. And it's just, again, so like, like having a, your surfing is like, clink, clink, you know, whatever. Um, it's just so whimsical and fun and very relatable. Yeah, I like Kate. I now I realize that I had noticed that, mm-hmm. but it just felt it felt like such a whole. Like I was so invested in the scenes, which is of course like exactly the point. Right, like that's exactly. the point of the show. <laughs> um, is that. It, because it feels right, you don't necessarily notice all the pieces, but the fact that all the pieces are there is what makes it feel so whole, is what makes it so um, bewitching, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So, you've just given me, like, a little experience. Noel, thanks! <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And, like, I want to piggyback off this idea of, like, the whole experience to talk about and transition to our next episode of the festival um, of watching the robot movie. And the ways in which we actually don't get to watch the finished product. Um, And instead we get to watch Mizusaki's parents watching it with a whole different sort of like approach, basically, of like their dialogue, but also what sounds very much like non-diegetic music um, playing over it as opposed to whatever they sort of decided on. Because it doesn't seem actiony enough. Um, And the sound effects are looped out of it because we're just hearing the music and the dialogue, I think, for the most part. For me, that sequence still really, really works really well because of how they frame it as her parents watching it. Um, and so even though we're not getting like the full experience in the way that we got like the full experience with the tank fight, um, we still get like an audience experience, which I think is really important as a continuation of how people view these products that the I, the Azokin are putting out. So how did like this look for you how did that process work for you with her parents watching it but also like what did you think about like the overall like finished product that we did get to see you know i one of the things that i really liked about how little i guess little's not the right word but how frequently we cut away from what was happening on the screen to the responses of the audience or the people backstage or any of the other things that we cut to um was that it was prefaced by all of these instances where they'd be watching a rough cut and we'd be watching the sound meter or they'd be watching a rough cut and we'd be watching their faces um, because that it makes it all a part of the same thing, which is how the process of making it and the process of consuming it are inextricably linked. Um, 
because you're always you're making it for yourself, right? Like she's like she says, I need I have to do it for myself, but it's also for other people. So you the reason you watch all the rough cuts, the reason you put it all together is so that you understand what that audience experience is going to be like. Um, so I thought that that was insanely cool. Um, it also. I loved that some of the shots we did get were specifically tied to other things they wanted to point out. Like we saw the T flip specifically because we wanted to watch her parents see that or the chopsticks um, or her there's parents are the worst for not explaining. That. <laughs> yes. Um, or uh, there's a moment where we see the sun move within the frame and then it cuts really briefly to art club guy in the audience um, with that sun reflecting off of his glasses. And you don't even really need to see all of his face to realize that he's understanding now what that conversation was about. Um, which again, Azaka says should probably work on her communication. That's something that he, they should have been able to get to, to together. Um, but it's good that he had the realization regardless. Um, so yeah, I love uh, the ways in which all of those bits were tied together. Well, and also I think it was just such a smart move for the the flow of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, I was very glad to be wrong that, you know, feeling like, well, we couldn't just have another triumph because that would get boring um, in the season. You know, it would be too predictable. So I was very glad that I was wrong on that. Um, but having the first film or short that they show us really just be shown to us so we can experience it. Um, and then having this one stay with some of the other narratives instead um kept it from you know from being too repetitive and kept it you know kept it more grounded in the characters versus what the first one needed to be and so i i appreciate that we're you know yes it would be cool to just see the finished product in its completed form and all of that yes but i'm more invested in how uh, Mizusaki's uh, parents are responding and how art club guy is realizing and we see just enough of the audience to like see them like lean forward in their chairs a little bit and that's all we need to know the other thing that's related to that is I think the other reason we didn't all really need to see all of it is we already get an action movie right like everything leading up to it the big chase leading up to the screening all of the hijinks and the surprises and the twists and Katamori on the roof doing her like board identity thing uh, the blackmail all of it we already got our exciting story so then we can just watch people react to the exciting story that they see um I just think that's so cool yeah shout out to the zip line <laughs> yeah and like this gets to like what you were talking about with Ono and like this idea of like he finally gets to live his dream basically he gets to be the robot that he's always wanted to be um, and he just gets to run around campus being it. And Marcus points out that the Musasaki escape sequence is framed like a video game, and it is. It's very Metal Gear Solid um, with the cardboard box and everything. It's very, very good, and I had a very good laugh at it. Because, um, yeah, it, I feel like Metal Gear Solid is the touch point for that, but like any military stealth game... They're drawing really heavily on that. That's interesting because I was thinking of it like uh, I. This is partially. I went to see one of my very favorite movies in a theater last week. Um, my first movie back in a theater, um, and it's a French heist movie called Rififi that I'm just oh, super right. obsessed with. So good. It's so good, and 
And I love heist movies. I've seen a zillion of them. They're a minor obsession of mine. So to me, it was framed like that, right? Like, how do we smuggle the person out? What plans are already in place that we don't know about? Because the revelation of those plans, is it's going to make it all more exciting and all of the surprises and the twists and that stake out. So it's very interesting to me that your touch point is very different, but no less effective, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much the, okay, now wait, wait, crouch down, count to three, and (laughs) then, then go, (laughs) you know. Um, And also just the way it was, um, the way it was shot, too, Mm -hmm. keeping that distance from it, and, like, you watch them come around the corner, and then, you know, it it felt more, like, not like a side-scroller, but, like, it's just a very different type of video game than I'm used to, or action sequence than I'm used to, because we aren't in... We're in point of view a few times, like when we're inside the box on the zipline or something like that. But a lot of the times we're, 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 I guess, I guess we're on the balcony with the binoculars tracking the action. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun. Even just the, the animation style of how they're like running elbows out. You Their know? movements are really different. Even like Mizusaki's movements are like real. Yeah. Yeah. Like puppety. Yeah. Yes. Puppety. Yeah. Yeah, I was, was mimicking it for the three people who'd see us listeners. And... <laughs> yeah, this is why you got to be in in the Zoom. So, so this is for, it's Marcus. This is for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was super fun and having you know having the security club come back as our villains of the piece for the moment. Um, having uh, the the just the different the, the robot club not. You know, like they obviously they get a lot of the cred um, because of how much this is robot club sponsored, like their name is everywhere. But pairing that with um, cashing in on the the model name brand of everything, it uh, kind of keeps that balance so that Azokin gets credit as well. Um, I, th- I think it, it, it just works nicely and is a fun, a fun way of putting it all together when the robot club like throws himself in front of Mizusaki. It's like, no, it was our rockets. Run! <laughs> it's just so perfectly, like, it's just so perfectly high school and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and younger and older. But um, but that drama, when you're so invested in something like that, it it, it, it felt very pure and very real. Um, yeah. And I also like, you know, the dramatic irony. You're watching this going like, wait, They've already got a huge crowd. Why are we still waiting for, uh, for, for like you know our last person to show up? Why is she still firing? Oh, it's because we need to have the <laughs> moment of the parents getting the flyer. Like like they missed the rockets and the banners and the yeah. robot through the sky. <laughs> they needed the the flyer to really you know make that happen. Um, yeah, it was del- <laughs> it, it was it was a really fun way to put together this episode and and, you know we were talking about in the last uh, podcast episode the like the layout of the school and like you know and everything and you know (laughs) well as like you said we didn't need to see the action sequence and in the bowels of the the shibihama like the 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 school city kind of set up because we got in the episode we got the chase through the tunnels here so we didn't need to see the the monster chase through the tunnels Mm because instead we did this so cool yeah um, let's see. There was something else I wanted to mention, um, but I can't think about it right now. Um, I mean, for me, both of these episodes kind of do two things that I really like, which is 
one also like standard anime type of things is that we get a little bit of a bathhouse trip, which is a pretty common thing. And one of my favorite things about the bathhouse trip is that we don't get it's not tintillating or like played up for mm-hmm. fan service or anything. It's really straightforward and I really appreciated that. Um but this gives us a school festival episode, which are big things in high school animes and high school animes that are really slice of life is the the fest the every school, like high school, middle school, has a culture festival of some kind um, that normally the clubs have something and then each individual class will also do something as well. Um, So there will be Yakasoba um, stands, there will be film things, there will be maid cafes, all this kind of stuff that they'll do out of classrooms or in tents and stuff. Um, But I, I just really loved all the weirdness of you're getting little snippets of what this particularly weird schools festival is. Um, with all the various clubs that are here. But just real quick, because there's too much to see and do. And I really like the way that they achieve that through editing. And the other thing I really appreciate is subtitles carrying over for all the signage, um, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing that Crunchyroll does on the regs, which other streamers don't always do. Um, So getting those translations really makes a big difference. But folks, we get the HVAC Mafia. (laughs) They're just the best. That whole that whole scene <laughs> with Kanamori and the the head of the HVAC the president of the HVAC club is just beautiful and just a perfect little moment of genre departure from everything else. But it's just so good and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> These can never get out. It's <laughs> great. So funny. Um, the other little moment that I wanted to make sure to mention that made me laugh out loud, and that was one of them, the revelation that they were talking about the temperature. I guffawed in my living room. Um, but when, <laughs> when they're looking at the issues with the chainsaw and they yes. ask Kanamori to come over and consult, she's like, why on earth would I do that? I don't know anything. And uh, Midori says, oh, well, you know, shouldn't a producer be developing a discerning eye and she goes fair point and then it cuts to just won a fight with katamori with her like with the little caption oh my god i laughed so hard what a delight it just like a perfect little moment blink and you'll miss it i just i loved it oh god i forgot about that moment until you just said it it's such a good gag it's so pure it's just like really and it's just like and then it's gone you're moving on but oh god it made me laugh yeah um, Marcus says um, that he appreciated everyone hanging out and just being and enjoying themselves, which we get in the bathhouse a lot. I really like that whole revelation of the bathhouse above like the laundry mat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just really nice. Like it's a really nice bathhouse in the on top of a um, what you call it on the top of a laundry mat. Um, and Marcus also mentioned uh, concurred with Kate that he really liked that Mizusaki's parents were won over and totally supportive, which is great because. That's not where the drama for this show is, is with the parentals. It's getting the thing made is the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding those clashes um, amongst the three of them is like the thing. Um, so do you all have any final thoughts about these two episodes before I give you episode titles for the next two? Um, and before Marcus gives you teasers for the next two, because Marcus has finished the show because his Crunchyroll trial ran out. Um, cause their trial is very short. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you, all, any final thoughts and Marcus, if you have, um, 
Oh, Marcus also mentions you have to appreciate uh, Mizusaki was just wearing a manta ray costume for the entire festival. Just cause. Just cause. Oh, this I is s- what I have. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I thought it was brilliant improvisation or intentional, but I assumed that the reason that um, Mizusa- not Mizusaki, Ak- Asakusa started the film a beat early was so that the the smoke from behind her, the water from behind her would look like it was exploding. Like it yes. was a part of, it was, that was brilliant. That was so cool. Oh, yeah. I hope it was just director improvisation and no it totally was you can tell that you can see the gears going oh wait she's standing in just the right spot like she's dead center i can just do this and start it and she'll know what to do (laughs) it was sweet it was so cool yeah um all right so episode nine is called for aim for comedy and episode 10 is against our independent world so aim for comedy comet a Comet A. Okay, I was, I was gonna say like that. I was like, I don't think he's saying comedy in a weird way. Comet A. Okay, so now clearly space epic is what's next. Um, aim for Comet A, and because you know the way the structure has been, where you got twelve episodes, there's three animes, so our next episode has to introduce the next one. So um, I think. I'm curious where the inspiration will come for this one because the first one was from them. The second one was a commission. I feel like the third will be... I'm going to say that it's, it's for some reason, the teacher advisor is involved in this. Okay. Because they had that festival thing they needed. They were they introduced earlier that they were going to kind of build towards. So I'm going to say this, whatever their next project is, is going to be introduced in this next episode. And it's going to be for that film festival which was like the reason they got approved in the first place so that's what i'm going with for for that one allison any thoughts hmm what's the sound person's name again domeki i'm gonna say domeki uh summons some courage and says i have an idea for a story (laughs) um and then has to stare down kanamori and 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 get an idea out there that's that's my prediction okay okay what was the second title again? Against Our Independent World. Against Okay, so so some form of censorship or again another form of collaboration. So the independent world of Azoken, um maybe the stu- student council gets involved. I don't know, somebody they're forced to no longer be independent or they're that's there's the threat of interference in their vision. Um okay. And they have to, you know, either grapple with that um, and have a discussion about the pros and cons or fight to wrest control back okay. of their vision. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, my guess is going to be similar. I think maybe they get an offer of like sponsorship or to be brought under the umbrella of a more well-funded um together organization maybe no i was gonna say outside the school but not outside the school so i don't maybe the movie club maybe who knows what um they're the anime club i don't know but some organization is like why don't we combine forces and we have our resources and then you can use the resources and make these things and we all win um but really it would mean that they weren't going to get to execute their own ideas that's my that's my guess maybe it could it could even be like well-intentioned stuff from mizusaki's parents um, since they're established and have apparently a crap ton of money. 
Um, okay, and Marcus says, my teaser, one character gets two nicknames over these episodes. Guesses. Um, Demeki. Yeah, I'm going to go with Demeki too, but I'm going to guess the nicknames. One is going to be Blamo, and the other is Sound Person. Okay. And and that's Kanamori who decides that she doesn't need to bother to learn her name. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, I will say that episode nine is probably my favorite episode of the series. Ooh, yay. Um, I really love it. I think it's really, really good. I think it gets into a lot of other stuff about everything that like has been kind of on the periphery. Um, and it's also just really, really, really good. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, episode 10 has, if I'm remembering correctly, some really beautiful, like, visual stuff in it, but it's been a little while. Um, but episode 9, I just remember, and it's real good. So I'm really hoping that you both enjoy it, um, and that I have not overhyped it by saying it's my favorite episode of the series. Um, but it is, I think, very, very good. Marcus, would you back me up on that? Is, do you, did you really enjoy episode 9? Please say yes. Otherwise, you're not allowed. To <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ten. Actually, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it um, because, again, I really feel like the, this is a really good one-two punch, if I remember correctly. But I just remember episode nine really, really clearly. So, um, but yeah. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Um, so we'll be back on Wednesday to keep talking about keep your hands off a Zoken. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Marcus. Bye. Bye.